What do you call that noise? What do you call that noise? I'll tell you one thing about the young generation. They keep on getting younger. Back in October 2020, we handed over What Do You Call That Noise, the XTC podcast, to a bunch of fans in their 20s. Margaret Brown, Miles Parsons, Hugh Thomas, Rachel Willey and Laura Wade talked about what it was about XTC that appealed to people who were barely born when they split up. And very insightful they were too. Well, time has passed and we're ready to hear from an even newer generation of fans who, as you're about to hear, are as wise and articulate as the last generation. I met several of them at the 2022 fan convention in Swindon and I was so impressed. My name is Mark Fisher and I'm delighted to sit back and listen to Ashley LeCron, Lexi Ward, Lee Saunders and Lewis Wilkinson as they share their enthusiasm not only for XTC but also the bands that led them to discover XTC. And because it's that time of year, they're in party spirit. All that is coming up. First, a brief and sad dedication to Chris Hobbs, who recently died. Chris was a big fan of the band and attended fan conventions in Manchester and Swindon and will be very much missed. All the best wishes to his friends and family. And um, then a massive thank you to the supporters on Patreon who keep the XTC podcast on the road. It would be fantastic if you would lend your support as well. And if you'd like to join them, just go to patreon.com forward slash Mark Fisher and decide whether you'd like to be a pink thing, a humble daisy or a knight in shining karma. If it's the latter, I'll read out your name at the end of each episode. If you haven't brought your copy of What Do You Call That Noise? An XTC Discovery Book, just pop along to xtclimelight.com. That's all from me. Let's hand over to Ashley LeCron for this month's episode of What Do You Call That Noise? What do you call that noise? All right. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Young Fan Takeover Christmas Edition. Today, there are four of us, including myself, and since the holidays are coming up, we wanted to go with a bit of a Christmas theme while also talking a bit about ourselves and what got us into XTC as people who weren't around to see them perform live. I'm Ashley, I'm 24, and from California originally, but I just moved to Oxford to get my master's, so I'm living over here for the time being. I'm Lexi, I'm 22, and I'm from Duluth, Minnesota, USA, and I love XTC, that's why I'm here. (laughs) I'm Lee, I'm 25, I'm from Trowbridge in Wiltshire, so I'm not far from Swindon, and I love XTC and music a lot. Hi, I'm Lewis and I'm I'm currently living in London and no surprise, I really love XTC as well and I hope everyone's feeling very festive today. Very festive. Yeah, you know, um, it's super interesting about um, XTC because I, I feel like for as underrated as they are, uh, they really are still alive in a lot of ways and kind of live on through being this basis of inspiration for a lot of past and uh, current artists as well. And I think through that, they've also garnered some younger fans. Uh, I know on the previous Young Takeover episode, it was uh, mentioned that XTC fans tend to be people who are really passionate and knowledgeable about music. But uh, Lee, you actually had a really interesting story as well about how you got into them that I think is a little bit unconventional to the normal gateway of getting into their music, um, if you wanted to share that. Yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, so I, I, I had, what this is, I had something of a false start with XTC, 
uh, years before I sort of got into them properly. Um, because when I was little, I, I, I really loved music. Even when I was little, I've always been a big, you know, it's been my thing. Um, but um, the way I got into XTC was through a much more niche passion, which is hill figures. So, I mean, living in Trowbridge, uh, in Wiltshire, there's a lot of white horses around. And my local one is is Westby White Horse. And the fact that I, I used to love going to Westby White Horse got me interested in hill figures when I was like seven or eight in, in the mid-2000s. And um, we did a trip around all the ones in Wiltshire. There's eight of them. And then on a separate day, we went to the Effington Horse, which, of course, is just outside Wiltshire in Oxfordshire. And, um, yeah, they were just one of my – I just loved hill figures. It was just one of my things. And the way that XTC came into the equation is my dad bought me um, a book of 10,000 album covers. Uh, and, of course, English Settlement was in it. And he knew the album cover already because he pointed it out. Although I don't think he actually had the album. I guess it's just sort of a well-known album cover around here. Um, but what we did was we scanned the album cover from the book and blew it up over, I think, three pieces of A4. And we cut the horse out of the, of the paper and stuck what was left on on the garden wall and spray painted inside it, so that you know, voila, you take you t- you know you took the template back off and we had Uffington White Horse on our wall, and um, still there now, seventeen years later, although it's the, the tail and the hind legs are faded a bit, but um, we went for XTC sketch rather than um, there's a famous one by William Plenderleaf, uh, but yeah, and I also knew the, the symbol because it's on the back of Nirvana's Inutro, but yeah, that 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 was the way that I discovered xtc it was a quite a long time again until i sort of discovered them properly but um because i i felt like i should have known him when i was little because i knew a lot of you know through my dad's taste my mum's tastes and i had a lot of compilations but xtc were on many of them but i had i knew nigel i had sergeant rock on now 1981 i had senses on now 1982 i had like a lot of you know i kind of got them to a little bit but then yeah that yeah, my false start was actually the Hill Figures, Food Loving Hill Figures, yeah. Yeah, that's super cool. Uh, Lexi and I actually went out um, to see the Uffington White Horse. I, I live fairly close to it now. So it was a lot of fun. We went out two times, I think. Then the second time we tried to have a picnic, but it started raining in the middle of it, which is very, I feel like... It was a miserable <laughs> picnic. I, I don't know. It was, it was fun in its own right, I think, for sure. But yeah, it was definitely a good memory. I was fortunate enough to to see it on the convention trip, and that was luckily a beautiful, albeit very windy day. Getting to visit Swindon and like hear the music and see it all in person, like added like a whole whole layer of of magic and mythos to their whole discography to me like hearing listening to tracks like red brick dream and everything like walking around swindon even though this is a very different swindon to one they were in that experience was really special yeah i i found it the same yeah for for me um i I just moved over here around the time of the convention so it was a great way to kind of take it all in i think and i'd never been to the uk beforehand so it was very surreal i think to be in the place that you hear about you know in all the songs uh was really cool honestly i can't imagine like a better introduction to the uk one like swindon <laughs> being your first like town and just the xtc celebration weekend i know yeah <laughs> and it's funny because a lot of people are always like you know i think a lot of people kind of discount swindon and they're like oh you know it's swindon and it's not like a 
it's not like London or Manchester or any of these places, but honestly, I, I really enjoyed myself. I actually quite like Swindon. So. Yeah. Me too. Yeah, maybe I was biased because I like their music, but it wasn't the like grey, dull image of that I imagined in my head. It had like these wonderful parks and maybe it was brought to life by the events. I don't know, like people who live there seem to live there. The council don't seem to share the same love for it as, um, as <laughs> we saw how things went with that, but... It was it was miraculous they managed to like pull it off because that was one of the, the best weekends. Like getting to meet all of you and like because I was worried I'd go and I wouldn't. I knew there were young XCC fans, but I wasn't sure he was going. But like I came out with with friends and everything, and that was that was incredible. I loved the experience. I, I didn't really know Swindon either, even though I live locally. I always have. I live in a town as well that has a bit of a reputation for being a bit whatever. So I sort of thought Swindon is going to be fine, and it was fine. And and the convention. Uh, was the most I've ever explored it. And yeah, one of the best things I've ever done. And so, yeah, definitely. I found it to be an incredibly authentic uh, experience to just land in London and then immediately go to Swindon. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I I, I feel like uh, walking around, it, like Ashley said, it really illuminated just the, the lore of all of XTC history. But it was also it felt it felt very real. I I almost could understand the emotions and feelings that they were feeling when they wrote the songs. And yeah, it was a it was a really good time. I don't see what's so bad about Swindon personally. Ashley and I were saying um, people people that hate on Swindon should go see certain parts of LA, and they'll feel grateful about the city <laughs> they live in. Yeah, maybe that's where the next XCC convention will be. <laughs> Yeah. Let's hope not. <laughs> yeah, let's let's hope we don't hold it in like Van Nuys or something like that. <laughs> I, I think we should keep it in the UK. <laughs> yeah, kind of jumping back to how we kind of got into XTC or gateway into uh, XTC. Uh, I think you know, for me at least, a lot of people kind of start out with just listening to new wave bands and getting into that through other bands, and I think that. I did kind of have a little bit of a similar experience. I started listening to, actually, I guess really my gateway into the new wave or just acts associated was with uh, Danny Elfman. He's pretty prevalent right now in pop culture, just with all the uh, movie scores like Nightmare Before Christmas and um, Beetlejuice. And so I kind of just became a really big fan of his and it led me into Oingo Boingo, which kind of sent me down a rabbit hole. I got into some other associated bands like Talking Heads, Devo, and Thomas Dolby is definitely one that I really love. So I think that I was bound to find XTC one way or another uh, through that. And it was eventual. Uh, I, I started out I think as most people tend to do with drums and wires, which is, I feel like, an, a good entry point for people who are interested in associated bands and kind of that genre of music. But I didn't really end up getting super into them until I listened to Big Express. So I... Yay. Yeah. Uh, it's, Big it's Express funny. love. <laughs> Big Express Love. Yeah, I feel like a lot of people kind of skip over that album. So when I hear other people seem to really like it, um, it's it, it makes me feel good because I was like, that album is, I mean, it's so amazing. And it's it's really 
cool that like the concept of it uh being with the railway and uh, and all that and it's i think too another thing that's interesting about that album is the juxtaposition of a lot of the songs uh like if you kind of compare i bought myself a lyrebird to a song like train running low on soul coal they're two entirely different songs but they just go so well together on that album and i think you know my personal favorite on that album is uh, I Remember the Sun, and also I love This World Over. There's like super powerhouse songs on that album. I think I Remember the Sun was actually one of the first songs that I really got me into XTC. You know, I think Colin is an amazing songwriter, and I was really drawn to that song in particular, because I think I'm a little bit of a sentimental person, so it kind of spoke to me. And uh, This World Over was another one that really drew me to them as a band. It has a killer bass line, too. Yeah, it does. It does. I play the bass myself, so that one was a lot of fun to play. Um, I actually think that there are a lot of really great uh, STC bass lines for anyone out there who plays the bass. Absolutely. But, yeah, that's kind of what drew me in. And then I just went down this rabbit hole of listening to all of their albums. And... uh, yeah, now now it's hard. I can't even pick. I can't pick a favorite, and I can't pick a favorite song. And I'm, they're just all amazing in my head. I'm like, I I don't even have a favorite. Like it's definitely been said before, but like the favorite XCC song slash album just deviates depending on the day of the week, right? <laughs> yeah, <Yes>. yeah. <laughs> I, I, feel, like... I feel like I have a fixed favorite though. I think I have a fixed favorite album. Big Express. That's my second favorite. My first favorite was the first one I heard, and I know it's an odd one to start with, but Apple Venus. Because by the time I got into them properly, I, like, I felt like I should have known them for years, like, properly. Because I like a lot of bands that, so Blur or Madness or whoever, bands that kind of get mentioned sometimes at the same time. I kind of knew the whole discography is already. So by the time I sort of discovered XTC properly, not realising how important to me they'd become, I was a bit of a geek. I like to fish out kind of the other albums. And I kind of read about Apple Venus. and I'm, like, I'm going to start with that one. And uh, it's still my favorite now. I just, I, I, yeah, I adore it. But Big Express is my second favorite. <laughs> you, you, you might be the only person that started, got got into XTC through Apple Venus. That's like a very rare yeah. pipeline. Yeah. <laughs> it's a bit like, I, I started with um, like Robin Hitchcock. Well, it wasn't the first one. The second one I heard was Respect. And I haven't got that far with him yet, even now. But I like kind of going for the other ones that have nice artwork uh, that, maybe don't get as much attention well, at least i don't see them get as much attention before i i sort of delve into discographies properly but yeah at least gives your perspective of the band makes it into a unique journey i suppose that way like yeah um, mine was was black sea i don't know how common that is but because you mentioned the, the blur connection and that was definitely like my lineage was working backwards from them so if we we trace my whole love for indie music back it would go xtc back to blur back to gorillas and i would have got into gorillas because i was appeal like the, the appeal of it was it was like the cartoon band i was not a diehard music fan like you i was a cartoon fan and that was like I was like, uh, am I going to get into like a band? Like that's like my my dad likes music. I genuinely was in that kind of headspace for ages where I I kind of rejected uh, like being a music fan because I was trying to like be counter my parents. And then actually when I worked back to XCC, I realized like, wow, my dad has good taste because my dad <laughs> like persuade like my dad like loaded loads of XCC MP3s and stuff onto my mp3 player and when i heard loads of people talk about them in relation to blur online i i like 
you know, hearing like Respectable Street, I'm just like, wow, Blur just rips that song yeah. off with Tracy Jacks. It's exactly the same song. I used to be on the Blur forum because they, they were my favourite band. And that was probably quite a big uh, point for me getting into XDC because the Andy's Modern Life Sessions, I kind of knew those really well. Uh, and then Respectable Street being credited as, as like an inspiration for certain songs on, for instance, The Great Escape or whatever. Um, I, I sort of, it's probably how I first learned about a lot of their discography before I actually heard it. So, but yeah, but yeah, def- Blur, the Blur into Ecstasy Gateway is definitely a thing, I think. <laughs> yeah, a lot of their like uh, older fans who got into them like when they were originally together, like find that that pipeline of mine really funny for some reason. But I feel <laughs> like more 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 Blur slash like Damon Albarn fans need to go back and, and listen to XTC. And like through XTC, I obviously got into like the Kinks, so that's like there's like a whole family tree chronology. And then I don't know. There's loads of bands that can fit in as like the the like great grandchild following Blur. I'm not sure. We have to see what history decides is like for the next next step. It could be like bands like Feet or Sports Team or any of those that sort of fit in that clever British observational style of songwriting. Yeah, I've seen the the Blur to XTC pipeline, also the Pulp to XTC pipeline. I think. In retrospect. <laughs> I I think Blur and Pulp are kind of similar i i I grew up like blur was like my first love but in in like over time i've realized pulp were like the best of ripoff acts hot take i don't know but i'm i'm i love pulp but i'm 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 blur (laughs) yeah fair enough or suede even (laughs) they're they're all great they're all great yeah what about you lexi what was your uh xtc gateway it's very similar to yours which is probably no surprise because you and i met because we're oingo boingo fans um, but I follow Danny Elfman on Twitter and he's very good about replying to fans. Someone asked him, uh, what his biggest inspirations were for, uh, only a lad and their first EP. And I remember he listed a few acts. Um, he said, I don't know if he said XTC, but he said specifically Andy Partridge. And I was like, Hmm wonder who that is. Sounds like Alan Partridge. And then I, um, he also listed Sparks and the Selector and maybe one other one, but that led me to dig into XTC and I realized, oh, this is the band that does Nigel. Okay. The song that I was lukewarm about. And then suddenly I, I listened to Drums and Wires in its entirety and I kind of understood the song. I don't think I would have understood it just out of context, like on the radio or you know, it comes up on my Spotify. I didn't get it, but now I think it's a it's an amazing song. Other than Drums and Wires, Black Sea, I think is the next one that I, I went with. The album cover really drew me to that one. Um, I think that one fluctuates uh, as my favorite, uh, probably between that one and this is kind of a hot take, but Mummer. I really love Mummer. I know it's kind of a polarizing album for some, but yeah, I also, uh, the song I'm bugged and statue of Liberty for some reason were there really early on in my XDC fan Genesis and, um, I'm bugged just kind of blew my mind. I was like, wow, Boingo Boingo really just ripped uh, off uh, this. <laughs> I, was, I was literally just about to say I'm bugged is a sister song to insect. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
They're the perfect duo. I discovered Oingo Boingo through XTC, so I won't be up a route. Because I, like, nice. obviously, I didn't come from the new wave route, so I was just like the indie Britpop route. And then since then, I've got into like Sparks, they might be Giants, Oingo Boingo. And like, there's probably still loads I need to need to branch off from yeah. that tree, I suppose. Yeah. There's always more. Yes, yeah, Sparks is another one that uh, Lexi and I are big fans of. We actually saw them in March, I think it was, in Minneapolis. But yeah, they're amazing and they're still touring, which is crazy. <laughs> and they're still doing some of their most innovative and exciting music, like in their 70s. Like, their, their male brothers are so talented. Yeah, it's amazing. And their latest album was actually really great, too. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, kind of just going off of uh, what was said in the last Young Takeover episode, uh, I know a lot of you guys are uh, artists as well as musicians. And do you think that XTC has had any influence on your art? And if it has, what is that influence? And also, uh, why do you think so many creative and artistically driven people are drawn to the band? Well, I'm an animator slash filmmaker and XTC have directly and expli- directly and explicitly probably the reason why I made the film that that I've recently finished and is circulating festivals and having screenings. Um, so it, it recently screened at the XCC convention. I don't know if I've really managed to catch it, but I made a short animated documentary about Martin Newell and he has been he has been a figure that's been in my life uh, for as long as I remember because my dad ran his website in the early 2000s. And um, so even then, like growing up, I listened to Martin Newell's uh, like he'd make he'd make these audiobooks for his daughter uh, called Brian the Lion, and they're the only thing he doesn't he doesn't publicise or commercialise. And so my first introduction to him was through that. So obviously I've I've heard his music and stuff growing up, and then when I was getting into XTC later, I was like, hang on, Andy produced the Greatest Living Englishman album, which I definitely heard loads of, but knowing that connection, something I was like really in, like getting into, like kind of made me fully fully get it and like get my dad's like appreciation for him so it was like yeah it, I already had that personal personal connection but it was getting into XCC that got me back into back into and probably like it, it, even with XCC it's like a similar situation because I'd heard I'd heard the songs grow, growing up and everything but it wasn't like mine yet and at that, po- at that point after hearing the greatest living Englishman as an adult it was like this is this is mine and I got really into his music and I was making my second year film and I was like whoa Martin Newell was like a connection that I have to my dad I can actually reach out to him and I did and I got to make a film and interview him in his house and um, I made it look like his early cassette tapes um, in terms of the the sort of sketchy illustrations that we'd have on the front because Martin Newell is one of the, the pioneers of, of home recording. So these tapes are just like scrappily recorded. It's, it's like it's like if XTC had zero production and was just made in a kitchen is how I describe his music. So like anyone who hasn't listened to his music yet, it like definitely, definitely do. And start start with The Greatest Living Englishman and, and work your way around from there. You can ask me for recommendations. I'm always happy to talk about Martin Newell or XTC. Um, so yeah, I, I got to make this film, which was the, the the best the best like final year project I could have ever dreamed of, um, because 
because I ended up discovering the right bands at the right time. That's great. (laughs) That's really neat. I wish that I got the chance to see that. Yeah. Me and Ashley missed a a bit of the convention because of the time schedule change and we were looking at the old itinerary. Um, But dang, that would have been really awesome. You know, I, I actually haven't listened to Martin Newell, but I will now. He, he was recommended to me on Facebook as a friend, but I now I know that he's uh, he's an artist, and I'll, I'll definitely look into him. I, I just want to applaud L- Lewis's film. It was it was excellent. It was really yeah. Good. I've seen that. I saw like a couple of clips or screenshots that you posted from your your film, and I'd definitely be really interested in seeing it. Uh, if you ever screen it again, I would love to go. That's a really cool story, and I haven't gotten into Martin Newell either, but it makes me want to hearing about that um but yeah I mean for me personally I've been really into graphic design and art for a while which funnily enough that's not what I'm getting my master's in but um it kind of eventually spilled into uh some other things too I know some of you might know I've been helping run a uh revived Oingo Boingo fanzine that we put together and ship out to people so it's been kind of cool to bring back the idea of fanzines from the 70s and 80s. I know Lexi and I were talking a little bit about maybe doing something for XTC. Uh, not sure, but yeah, I also knitted that uh, drums and wire sweater to take to the convention. It's funny that it ended up getting like noticed on Twitter. Um, it was just crazy to see people who I had no idea like listened to them or liked them at all and reached out and were like, oh, I love XTC. This is so cool. And I was like, that's, I had no idea. And it's, uh, I think it's kind of a testament to the fact that they're still prevalent and uh, alive amongst a new generation of fans. But I think for me, uh, I always gravitate towards drawing things that inspire me or taking and incorporating elements of things that I'm really drawn to. And there's actually a lot of great artwork uh, in and around XTC, I think. I always cite the Drums and Wires album cover as being one of my, if not my all-time favorite piece of graphic design, simply because I think everything about it just works so well and really kind of solidified a logo for them um, as a band. And it's very simple, but somehow it's super eye-catching and powerful. And yeah, I love it. It's really great. I love the colors. and uh, I like I think that my own artwork kind of uses that idea of minimalism, but also uh, adding like color and shape. And I think that I kind of subliminally picked that up from uh, some of the XCC artwork. I also love the Oranges and Lemons album cover, which I know is inspired by the Beatles and the Peter Max artwork and Yellow Submarine and all of that. Um, but I just I love the way that it turned out. Uh, I think it's really cool. And another one that I really love is um, the compact singles disc with that little Harlequin clown on it. I absolutely love that one. And, you know, also seeing Andy's art background, I know he talks a little bit about his synesthesia, which I find really interesting. I think sometimes my thought process can be somewhat similar in that I kind of just see something and it inspires me and I just envision like a whole finished piece in my head um, to work from, kind of like a roadmap of sorts. And uh, hearing about how his synesthesia influences his songwriting is 
really cool as well as you know I think the world building that is tied into the songs especially with albums like you know Big Express, Skylarking, even some of the Dukes uh, stuff and I think that that really attracts a lot of artistic people and creative people and because I think that something about XTC that's just always done so well is the the songs paint really vivid images uh, in your head so I would say that's probably why there's so many creative fans and it's been so cool to see to see all of the things that that people make I've seen XTC clothing uh, I know there's someone on Twitter who makes um, clothing inspired by them as well as I think Cooper was at the convention who did that really cool punch rug drums and wires uh, back patch so that was super fun to see as well. I'm so glad that you brought up synesthesia. I was I'm just dying to talk about it. You know, I I don't consider myself an artist. I feel like uh, a wannabe artist that's dying to find their medium, and hopefully I will someday. Um, but I I feel like I find Andy's songwriting approach to be very relatable, and um, I I have a lot of different types of synesthesia connections that are just kind of inherent in my thought processes. And I really, I respect that. And I think it's, it's a very inspiring mode of songwriting. And I just think that it sort of, like you said, creates very vivid images. I think part of the reason why Mummer is one of my favorite XTC records is because it is kind of like everything else was in black and white and for the first time there's all this color and I I just I can see that in the songwriting. I can see how suddenly the the new studio techniques and just the possibilities that were unleashed with Mummer just kind of really ring true with with the songwriting and it it just feels so so vivid and colorful and powerful. I just love it very much. And- how you described Oranges and Lemons to me at the convention has made me love the album more. So please talk about that. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, yeah. So with Oranges and Lemons, I don't know why, but I always, when I hear it, I picture, I don't know how to describe it, but coloured piped glass. So I picture like the old Windows XP pipes screensaver. I picture like coloured glass, um, like different, like in sort of different sections, different colours. And I always picture it as if the album's being played on that. And I don't really know how to describe that but that's just for evocation I get when I hear it um I don't, yeah it's just it's a strange one but um, um actually I mean you mentioned graphic design and, and that like when I, I did graphic design at college and um it, a big thing was for me was album covers and drums and wires was uh one of my favorite but well, it is one of my favorite album covers and I, I remember using that as an inspiration for just little things little logos and stuff because that's maybe a top 10 album cover for me, along with English Settlement, um, because I love the horse. But I like minimal like minimal artwork, but with colour. So, I mean, I think, Lexi, you mentioned Black Sea. The re- I didn't hear Black Sea as one of the first XE albums I heard. I left it a while because I didn't like the album cover as much as some of the other ones. It's, it, it, it's a great picture of the band, but I just like band covers less. Whereas Big Express with the wheel... Or non such, you know, with, with the cast. I just, you know, I just like like two or three colors, the tonal. And I guess when I hear the albums, I sort of picture 
I don't know how to describe it, but I guess it, it's 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 has synergy to synesthesia. Uh, like, so it's a line drawing or non-such. I hear line drawings when I hear the album, that kind of thing. I don't know how to describe it, but yeah, I get like strange evocations when I hear certain songs or certain bits in certain songs, that kind of thing. Their music definitely has the tendency to to do that. I think that I I I understand why oranges and lemons kind of evokes that that image in your mind. I think it makes sense. It's a very it's a very bright and colorful album as well. Maybe even more so than Mummer. Yeah, yeah. One of my favorite songs by them is on that record, "Cross This Antique." Oh, lovely song. Yes. My my favorite is "Poor Skeleton." I think. I just love it. <laughs> That's another very Oingo Boingo style song, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah. I have like a really embarrassing confession. I the so like when I read across this ant heap for the first time, I thought it said antheap, and I didn't know what an antheap was, and I just thought it was like a British thing, and I was like, oh. And then I was like, wait, actually, I think I'm kind of an idiot. <laughs> I have to admit, I I thought the no. same thing. I read antheap. Until I heard the song, and I was like, oh. Is this a word that Andy Partridge made up? Is, is ant-heap a word? Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've never heard ant-heap. It's like, have you ever played miniature golf with the little like ant-heaps that you have to like put the ball into? I mean, I, I guess I, I've always called them ant-hills. Mole, yeah, mole-hill, but... ant-hill, yeah. I, don't yeah. Know. <laughs> I think it's one of those things. Yeah, can go either way. But yeah, I know uh, another question I had for you guys was, um, I know a lot of you guys are music buffs, and uh, I'm just kind of assuming everybody collects vinyl records, but even if you don't, um, I think there are a lot of really cool XTC vinyls that are floating around out there, and if you do have any, what is your favorite uh, XTC vinyl in your collection, and what is one that you would love to have? And Mine is definitely my Senses Working Overtime, 45 UK pressing. I just love the packaging. I think the 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 gatefold with all the images is just really it's really cool. I've never seen a, a single package like that before. Oh, lovely. Um, I, I I'm more of a CD. I like CDs more, and I kind of what I like about my yeah. vinyl. I kind of it's stuff I kind of chance upon secondhand. But so I'm not sure what my ideal vinyl would be. But my favorite XTC CD I have is, is the mini disc of the loving, which um, I got at the convention and it has the um, it's in like a little pla- little plastic pouch that uh, as if taken from a shop. I don't know what you call those little um, where you hang stuff. It's got like a hanger thing on it. I quite like that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I also only really have a CD collection, but I only have two XTC CDs. One that I stumbled across in the wild, which was the fossil fuel, fossil fuels best of, and none such, which my dad gave me. But I don't have much of a physical collection currently. I, I had to build mine because gradually, because when I got into XTC properly in the, in the early 2010s, my seed, my good CD player broke in about 2011, and that sealed my CD collection off for a while, in a sense. So a lot, I kind of started listening to stuff more online. Until then, I was entirely CDs and never really went online for music. So they're one of my, I guess, in a way, and one of my, they're one of my first digital bands. And I've gradually pieced together their discography on CD, but it's a bit uneven. Some of them are the 2001 version, some of the eight records reissues. So the spines look a bit weird on a shelf if you try and line them up. It's a bit ugly because some of them are just plain white and some of them are coloured. But there we are. It's a bit like the Bowie 99 remasters are a bit 
bit uneven there as well <laughs> yeah I, I i really like uh i'm starting to get into the cds but um i actually i bought a cd player when um andy and colin's new music came out because i didn't have any way of listening to it and i couldn't play it in my car so i bought a cd player for hardest battle actually but um so now i'm starting to collect more cds but uh i think that Vinyl wise, uh, for me, my favorite is probably the uh, Sergeant Rock 45, the UK pressing, because uh, it has that. Uh, I think Andy drew it. Looks like something Andy would draw, but it's the comic strip of Sergeant Rock that is like it's like a fold out. Yeah. <laughs> I have it hung up on my wall. I adore the artwork for for Sergeant Rock because the, the influence for those art is definitely uh, Corporal Clot from the Dandy comic, which is like a UK children's comic. And like one of my like strongest or most passionate interests growing up is like that particular scene of humour children's comics. And like I'm pretty sure Andy had a bunch of Beano's and Dandy comics lying around the studio during the Jumps and Wire sessions. From what I, I gather. I, if I'm remembering correctly, he wanted Nash of a Dog, which is like uh, <laughs> one of the main characters, to be the, the central image on the Drums and Wires originally. But um, obviously DC Thompson, who published those comics, are like really strict with copyright, so that never happened. But let's be glad we got the Drums and Wires album cover instead of that. But like, yeah, I don't know, maybe that is like this weird, weird pipeline, but somehow the like energy of these children's comics was like, because like, Andy loved comics, like whether that be like American superhero comics and those but maybe like my love for comics somehow made me resonate with XTC because of that shared like influence uh, creatively. I love that picture of Andy with the comic in the studio about 10 years yeah, later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That used to be on Wikipedia. I don't think it's there anymore, but that was a good, good photo. I think I read on the Facebook group or some Facebook group that it wasn't Andy that drew the artwork, but somebody else, but maybe we'll have to have somebody debunk that. I'm not sure. It definitely looks like his art style. Oh, for the Sergeant Rock? Yeah. It definitely looks like his, his kind yeah. of his style though. Look up uh, Corporal Clot when you're when later though, because like you will see the, the way the character is drawn, it's like directly like uh, mirroring that. It's like a direct parody of that character. Alright, I'll definitely do that. <laughs> but when you were talking about creatives and uh, I guess the way XTC fits into that. Because I like I like writing about music. But I've only really done it if I have an inspiration to write. So for me, it was like, I, I, I mean, I have a few blogs and stuff, but I don't, I don't really touch them that often. But one day I was like, I'm going to do a review with the Big Express. And it's, it's I write about 4,000 words. But in writing it, it was how I kind of, uh, how can I put it? You put, try to put these evocations into prose. But also when I was writing it, I was thinking more about what things reminded me of. So certain songs, I, I was getting straight, maybe kind of strange connections. But I guess this ties into the whole the idea of pipelines because I hear a certain song on the Big Express and I'm trying to compare it to several different things at once that maybe don't have uh, have much in common. But um, I really enjoy doing that. And XTC are probably more than a lot of people I've written about, V-bands, where I can, I can kind of plot continuums or whatever. So... I did a piece once on Dave D, Dozy, Beaky, Mick and Titch, the, um, the 60s pop group. They're from Salisbury, so they're also from Wiltshire. And I was, I was thinking about their influence, whether that's a genuine influence or not, but just a continuum. And they, they had number one in the late 60s, The Legend of Xanadu, which has a kind of spaghetti western feel and it has like a, a horse whip. Oh, I love that. It's a great song. 
But then yeah. first time I heard um, Shake Your Donkey Up, I thought, well, it's a bit like that. And I'm just, you know, I like the idea of a kind of a constellation where you can connect, you know, things together. I, I, I really, that's like, maybe that's the way my mind works. I just like to fit pieces in kind of odd ways. And XTC allow me to do that pretty heavily. They're, they're very much, uh, they get my, my, my creative juices flowing, that's for sure. We've talked about it before, but like um, X, the idea of XTC are like this central planet. Like I see um, people, po- people probably treat the Beatles like that as well. Where it's like they're the <laughs> band that like everyone else orbits. It's like I'll discover XTC and then boom, Martin Yule, like Robin Hitchcock, like Boingo Boingo Sparks, they might be joints. Like it all just sort of builds this this like constellation, and you sort of yeah. travel. Do you travel between them, and you find oh they influenced this or they collaborated with X, and you build this whole whole system like xcc are like my central planet and that see yeah, i, I yeah. definitely see it as a, yeah. as a constellation that's the word i use i just think pop's yeah. a constellation and bands and artists are interdependent so their own thing but they they connect they all connect even if they don't know who they do even if it's in unobvious ways i just like to draw the lines you know i'm always hearing current bands yeah i mean you can even hear it in in some current bands uh you know one band that i really like is uh the last shadow puppets and i think that their first album sounds a lot like dukes of stratosphere and i've always thought that and then miles kane was in the documentary so i was like okay now i know for sure that he had to have been inspired by it somehow on on the subject of the dukes it's because andy credited nick nicely hilly fields as as an inspiration on 25 o'clock that I I think me and Hugh as well maybe I'm, I'm not sure about Hugh but I definitely discovered Nick Nicely initially through that I believe and I love I love that it's like that's like maybe my favorite one of my 10 favorite songs of all time Hilly Fields so you know that's directly I think because of Andy's uh, sort of championing of it once upon a time you know in, a, in, in an obscure interview or whatever it was you know so yeah it, it can be sometimes the oddest places that you'll you know you'll find what really connects yeah definitely i hear xcc's influence so much in in current music like even in completely different genres like i i'm of the, the belief this might be a bold statement i feel like xcc are part of a lineage of what led to like current scenes like even like the hyper pop scene now i kind of get that like especially with like uh, the later the later sound with 100 gex they they sound it sounds like contemporary white music and go to and i am not mad for that like you listen to the stuff they're putting out now there is a a direct lineage to that that is so interesting i totally feel that and i feel like tracks like crosswires yeah. and i i feel like there's there is a you oh, can plot yeah. that you can plot that line you can put max tundra on it or you you know you can kind yeah. of you can fit the places you know so i, I definitely get what you're saying like XT, like Max Tundra is influenced by Cardiacs, and Cardiacs are influenced of by course. XTC. So, like canonically, XTC did lead to hyperpop because Max Tundra influenced <laughs> AG Cook, who was the godfather <laughs> of that whole scene. So, yeah, it's not even. I put Cardiacs. They're from London, but because they a lot of their later stuff, the later operations and the business conventions in Salisbury, I put them on on the Moonraker art pop lineage in my head. So. It's pretty much just it's pretty much cardiacs by proxy, XTC, Dave D. Dozy Bikim Titch, Brian Prothero, who um he moved to London, but he did some some really eccentric albums in the 70s that I love. And uh, I yeah, I I like I like because I'm from Wiltshire, I guess. I, I'm a bit biased. But I like to think of all, you know, Swindon in the north, Salisbury in the south, they're kind of anchored. 
And there's me in, in the county town, Trowbridge. I, I, there's no one famous here, but yeah, I, I quite like to think about it that way. <laughs> I think that would be a really interesting essay, how XTC indirectly led to hyperpop. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> I could do I will do it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now that you bring it up, because I've honestly never thought of that. Like cross wires? Cross wires. Very dissonant, dissonant early stuff. Definitely cross wires. Listen to the latest 100 Gex song, Doritos and Fritos. It sounds like modern production on a on like a white music song. It is crazy. <laughs> what I also find is certain XTC songs will have the weirdest glimpses of the future. So the end of Living Through Another Cuba, it sounds like Aphex Twin record playing underwater or something. Just where did I, where's mm. that come from? Yeah. Or the, the, the breakdown in the middle of Donkey up again. It's like... Um, if we're going to keep it to Swindon, meet the Manifesto, who are sort of a post-industrial group who formed later in the 80s. I don't know. I could just draw a line between that, the, the middle of Shake Your Donkey Up into them. You know, it can be kind of the weirdest, um, you know, it's, it's to XTC's genius, if you will, that sometimes the oddest little bits will remind you of just completely disparate, seemingly unconnected artists or whatever, or, or scenes or dramas or whatever. Yeah, I noticed that same thing too. Um like in the 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 part in melt the guns that slows down uh, i'm speaking to the justice league that part always reminds me of something that you'd hear on like demon days or a gorilla's record it feels uh-huh. like a it feels like a flash forward to the future and i know there are other moments too where i've thought that about other contemporary bands i see, i see that with melt the guns and the end of that song with ticking goes back that's um 10 cc clockwork creep that's what that reminds me of so then you can draw a path between 10cc and XTC. Well, they, they rhyme, so that's another... <laughs> didn't realise it until I said it aloud, but yeah. <laughs> a lot of their sound in, like, Animal Collective as well. Like, um, oh, it's, nearly Af- it's nearly yes. Africa, like, tracks like that, yeah. Yeah. Like that, uh, it's nearly Africa could be a Sungtong's track. It sounds that's, exactly like that album. That's a really apt comparison. The first time I heard in it's, it's Nearly Africa, I was like, I've not really heard... I don't really know what this sounds like, if anything. It's, it, it completely kind of threw me a bit the first time I heard it. There's only two, another song that did that was Travels in Nylon or Neolon, however you want to say it. That was like, it's, it's close to metal. I know people have said that, but it reminds me more of like the creatures, the, you know, Susie C. It kind of reminded me of that, even though, I don't know, but just certain things, certain drum beats, certain drum patterns or whatever would just completely put me in a different place, I suppose. Not, not, not necessarily the creatures are a completely different place, but you see what I mean. It's, it can yeah. be kind of odd stretches you make in your head. Another one I noticed is um, in Hold Me My Daddy, that um, little guitar ditty. Um, I can't exactly pinpoint what point in this song it is, but it reminds me of something that you'd hear on a Mac DeMarco record. And every time I hear it, I, I can't distinguish it yeah. from that anymore. I mean, Mac DeMarco comes from the Martin Yule lineage because Mac DeMarco is like a mass. He worships Martin Yule and Martin Yule is part of the, like, you know, Andy Partridge produced his albums and was influenced by XTC. So there is a direct, there is a direct lineage to him. There's that family is... tree again. It's really yeah. interesting. <laughs> yeah. so that's what I say. I like the word interdependent, as I, th- as I think I said. Yeah. They're all own things, but they're just, they connect. They just totally connect. You know, I love it. <laughs> yeah, that would be a really interesting writing piece, I think, just how they connect, like how it's all intertwined. Um, yeah. Be really cool to hear about. But yeah, I think, you know, 
since this is kind of a festive uh, episode and the holidays are coming up and everything, um, it's been super exciting to listen to uh, Andy's new EP, My Failed Christmas Career, uh, that came out. I really liked uh, the last track, or Unwrap You at Christmas. Oh, is that the one yeah. that's sung by... By Holly, right? Yeah, Holly, yeah, yeah. It's sung by Holly. Yeah, she, she does a really good job. Um, I'm somebody that likes to get into the Christmas spirit really early, uh, probably earlier than I should, but uh, I think that they all kind of have that classic, like, Christmas music sounds to them. Um, I know I've, I've kind of always really enjoyed, I know Andy did a track with XTC, I think it was under the name Three Wise Men called Thanks for Christmas. Um, I don't know if you guys have ever heard that one, but I really like that one as well. Mine just arrived in the mail. I haven't had the chance to listen yet, although um, someone did upload Unwrap You at Christmas to YouTube and I listened to that. Holly's got a lovely voice. On the topic of Unwrap You at Christmas, it was like a late era's monkeys song. I kind of prefer the version on this EP. (laughs) It it was when they were kind of getting up there in their years, right? I think it's kind of funny for like these these old men that aren't really teeny boppers anymore to have (laughs) such a provocative song as a single. I think it's really, it's really funny. There was a bit on one of the They Might Be Giants podcasts where one of the hosts was talking about seeing the monkeys as a kid and being traumatised because he saw them as old men and he was envisioning them as a young band. And I find, I always think of that as so funny. It reminds me of that Victoria's <laughs> Secret ad that Bob Dylan was in when he was like in his 50s or even 60s maybe. And it's just kind of, it's kind of wrong. <laughs> I think Andy's really retained his sound though, like over the years. Um I, I was listening to my field songwriting career songs and I was like, he sounds the exact same. Like, I mean, I think there's a little bit of a difference from maybe like white music era to now, but the seal barking era, he, to me, he's really retained. Can we talk about the evolution of Andy's voice? Because Andy like ah. <laughs> did for Bark to give, to sort of have his own identity because he wanted to have like a unique selling point of his voice. And then gradually throughout the discography, you hear him discover his voice. And that's one of my favorite things about yes. binging their discography is it's like by the end, this is how Andy Partridge sings. Right, yeah. to go from- That's exactly how I feel. To go from I'm bugged with the, the, the you know, the various barking and, and squeaking and stuff like that to go to wrapped in gray. It's, it's really mm-hmm. just, yeah, the evolution is, it, it's really endearing because I feel maybe anybody can find their voice if they, you know, dedicate themselves to it. He's always yeah. been a great singer. Not, that's not to discount that, but. I think that that's kind of true throughout the whole band too. Like, I think the same with Colin, like, you know, going from Crossfires to song like Bungalow. Bungalow. Yeah. When he found his own voice. It's crazy how... Uh... The early records, they really sound very similar. I know that it, they, it was sort of like trying to go for, you know, the sound, a single sound. But I think that my favorite Colin songs are where he, he finds his voice and has such distinctive yeah. songwriting. It, I love his melodies. I feel like with Colin, there was a shift in the mid-80s where... It, it, I don't want to say sentimental, but the songs became generally more about uh, childhood or memories or whatever, or, you know, just upbringing. And that's, as you say, I think that's a lot of my favourite songs of his are after that, because a lot of his earlier songs, I guess, are more sort of social comment, maybe. I feel the change, maybe, I mean, it's, it's obviously, roughly speaking, but the change maybe is the Big Express, which starts with Wake Up, 
which is the, which is the Colin of Ball and Chain, or and so on. And then I remember the Sun, which is the Colin of Bungalow, Frivolous Tonight, and yeah, that's what that's why I feel. I'll often binge their discography over a day and just be get to the end and be like, how did how did they get here? Because it like it, there seems to be like a natural sort of flow from the start to finish, but start to finish is so different. I get all their albums feel like XTC. None of them feel like an identity crisis. They all feel like yeah that sound, but but uh, yeah. but, but completely different bands, but still very much the same band in spirit. It's, it's a crazy. it's a seamless gradient yeah across their yeah. discography. Yeah, that's what makes them so special to me. I think um, just compared to a lot of the other bands, to me, there's usually one or two albums uh, that I'm like, uh, this one wasn't quite, you know, my favorite or, you know, I don't know, quite know what they were going for here. But I think with XTC, all of the albums are have their own purpose and they're great in their own right and kind of serve that purpose and the evolution of the band. And I think to me, that's what really makes them stand out they're the yeah they're, they're yeah. remarkable for a, a 12 album band or 14 if you include the dukes and there's no padding it's yeah. it's a, a beautifully yeah. realized discography yeah. like, we, we all love sparks and like they definitely have loads of albums they're trying new things and i love that but like i would never go back to listening to balls again <laughs> i quite like balls quite like balls <laughs> <laughs> i quite like their dancier stuff yeah <laughs> I think XTC oh, yeah. is the only band I love where every single one of their records could be a Desert Island album for me. Wouldn't matter what it was, yeah. I could take it with me. Right. I like that. Yeah. Could be the one thing yeah. I'd listen to forever. I love. There are very few bands I like who have over 10 albums where every one of them is great. Like Super Furry Animals are another one I'd say. But, um, I think that you have over 10. You have, you have a lot anyway. But um, yeah, and just in. Every album is oh yeah I love this album you know yeah. sometimes if it's one I've forgotten I I love until I hear it so I don't listen to Wasp Star that much um, Corn Sweets for Apple Venus being my favorite and a bit odd but uh, <laughs> when I hear it I'm like, oh yeah this is a brilliant album yeah I mean for me when I moved here I was kind of <clears throat> I was trying to kind of uh, decide what vinyls to bring and I because I have all of I think I have all of the albums now and I was like I was like well I have to just pick my favorites and then I couldn't which I just had to bring all of them and then just carry around a heavier suitcase in the airport. But I think it was worth it. Definitely. So to kind of wrap up the podcast here, in their songs, XCC sometimes uses unusual instruments and noises. And I think uh, most of us being music fans are usually able to guess what they are. I know all of us kind of brought something that makes a weird or unusual noise and i think it would be fun to play a little game called what do you call that noise conveniently named after the podcast and basically the premise is pretty simple we just make a noise and guess what it's coming from uh so i guess i can go first here i don't know if the sound will pick up very well but I don't know if you guys can guess what that is. Is that either, like, glass fossils? Is it a toy xylophone? Ah, yeah, oh, I was thinking xylophone. Nice. <laughs> That's what I was trying to go for, but yeah, they are. I did the thing where you pour the water at different heights in the bottles, and then it, like, makes a, like, a different noise, each one. So, but yes, I was trying to go for xylophone. It's, it, it's the... The glass bottles of oranges and lemons, you're... <laughs> yeah, full circle. 
Mine is quite distinctive, but I'll, I'll do mine. You guys might be able to guess right away. I wanted to do something a little more obscure, but I couldn't, couldn't find anything around the house. Is that like a frying pan? Are you hitting like a pan? Is it the back of a metal box or something? Yeah. Is it a plate? It is not. It is tech. It's an instrument. Arguably. Oh. Is, is it like a cowbell? Cow it is a cowbell. Cow yes. Uh, <laughs> lovely. So I can, I can do mine. I, I also struggled a little bit to find something. Um, so I don't, I'm not sure how inventive or creative this is, and it's probably really easy if you can hear it, but. A lighter? A lighter? No. So, yeah, lighter. It's not, it's not a lighter. Do it again. If you could hear my dog, I'm sorry. That's a dog. I'll do it again. Yeah, sorry. dog. It's not the dog. <laughs> what do you call that noise? <laughs> you call that, you call that Bella, that's her name. Scissors. Scissors. Snipping, snipping, snipping goes the scissor man, yeah. Nice. <laughs> oh, I couldn't think of anything, so just scissors. Clever. <laughs> Mine is also not going to be hard, probably. Vacuum. A dustbuster? Handhold vacuum? Like a handhold one? No. No. <laughs> blender? Is it a blender? No. I thought this would be easier. Oh, <laughs> it's not vacuum, I'm out of guesses. Wait, do it again? I think you'll 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 kick yourself when you know, when I tell you. That just sounds like it sounds like my handheld mic. Yeah. Uh, uh, vacuum. I can't yeah. get that on my head. Is it a power drill? <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm not playing with you. It'll be it'll you'll you'll kick yourself when I tell you. A hair dryer? <laughs> It's a hair dryer. Is it a yeah. hair dryer? Oh, yeah. Nice. Hair dryer. It is a hair dryer. <laughs> this game is harder than we thought it I would be. Know. I see. I thought everybody would get my cowbell. Maybe I'm just not good at playing it. <laughs> All right. Well, I think this was a good end to the episode. And I'm so glad that I got to uh, talk to you guys today and find out a little bit more about how everybody got into XTC and also uh, what drew us to them as a band. But yeah, it's been lovely talking with you guys. Thank it's you. Been lovely, yeah, it's been lovely being here. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And thank you, Mark. Yeah, thank you, Mark. Thank you, Mark, as well. Yeah, thanks, Mark. Young Generation Takeover was fun. <laughs> what do you call that noise? Brilliant work, Ashley. Thanks so much for hosting such a tremendous discussion. And thanks, of, of course, to Lexi, Lee and Lewis for keeping the party going. Happy Christmas, everybody. And thank you once again to everyone who has supported the podcast on Patreon, who you can join at patreon.com forward slash Mark Fisher. Thanks in particular to the following Knights in Shining Karma. Terry Arnott, Kevin Burt, Lorenzo Chachi, Kale Corbett, Liam Duggan, Jamie Dunn, Jeff Farris, Leslie Gooch, Robert Graham, Alan Hughes, Marek Kraus, Jesper Kumberg, Robert Lawlor, Dennis LaCouria, Liz Lynch, Murray Meekle, Youssef Mora, Karen Neal, Amy Parkinson, Mark Reed, James Reimer, Simon Slato, Michael Sutcliffe, Mark Thomas, Nigel Waller, and Martin Whitley. 
great to have you all on board. I'll be back next month with more fun and games. See you then. <laughs>